to another episode of A Woman's Worth. A woman's worth is being educated. A woman's worth is being informed. A woman's worth is being aware. A woman's worth is knowing how to prevent disease and have optimal health. Thank you for joining us for A Woman's Worth. We have my co-host, Dr. Pamela Foster. And also we have Ms. Ashley Tarrant from MAO. She's the Interim Executive Director, um, not Executive, Chief Executive Officer, my era, for MAO, Medical Advocacy Outreach. So welcome, Ashley. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and join you all for the radio show. Yes, yes. We're glad to have you. We're so happy to have you in in the spirit of Women's um, History Month. And still, we're still in March, so we want to bring you on in the spirit of Women's um, History Month, being that MAO has been in um, around for 35 years, and you're going to talk about that. And also, you being the first African-American woman to ever be the interim chief executive officer. So that is history. So we want to yes. applaud you in the work you've done. Yay. Yay. Applaud, applaud, applaud. Yay. Yay. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, we love that. Yes, and being of an aid service organization, the work you've done. And so we're going to get into it to talk about you, Ashley. Would you tell our listeners, audience, about your, about MAO and your climb at MAO as the new interim chief executive officer? Yeah, so MAO is Medical Advocacy and Outreach. We are a um, specialty healthcare organization that provides HIV and other specialty healthcare services. In um, the Black Belt of Alabama, we have about 28 counties um, that we provide services for. So I always say we go from Montgomery to Mobile, from um, Montgomery over to the Georgia line, and almost to Mississippi, except for mm-hmm. County. So we have a very wide um, service area where we provide services, especially to those living in the rural areas. Yeah. Um, we have been around for 35 years. Um, we were started in 1987 um, as a volunteer organization to provide information and resources for individuals who were having family members to come back. Basically, at that time, coming back home to die was what happened. There was no, there were no meds back then, no treatments, and so MAO was started to provide just resources and information um, for individuals and their families who were not sure what to do um, when their family members came back home. Over that time, we have um, grown tremendously. We started providing medical care in the um, early 90s, um, and we have just grown exponentially over time to now be a really a full-service, one-stop shop um, healthcare mm-hmm. needs. So for medical care to social services, to education and outreach services, behavioral health, so that's mental health and substance use services, dental clinic, a pharmacy, we have just really expanded um, over time to really provide those needed services to individuals that are living with HIV. And Ashley, I must say, I attended, you had a wonderful celebration called the Color of Health this past yes, year yes. and uh, celebrated that growth over the last 35 years. And I I even uh, took pause. I knew a lot about the organization, but I just took pause to, to really um, uh, see how much y'all have grown. Of course, you are uh, succeeding uh, Mike Murphy, who was a wonderful visionary and leader for the organization uh, to see the growth. But um, you said you're in 28 counties? Yes. Yeah. I know that has grown because you, you didn't cover that much ground when you... Uh, first started and how has that Correct. changed? So over time that's grown. So our first, I believe our first um, kind of rural outpost was Dothan. And so mm-hmm. that's about two hours. Oh, wait, away you always had Montgomery. 
Always, yeah, we always have right, right, right. And then Dolphin was added on, and then we have Selma, the Selma area, kind of going west, and then mm-hmm. also um down in At- Atmore, which is kind of to the the. Those are our um those are all of our four uh, main sites, and then. Mm-hmm. Then we work in conjunction with QHCs to provide located around the 28 counties as well. Okay. Okay. That is tremendous. That is tremendous. I hope we were getting all of that. Were we breaking up a little bit, uh, Rashonda? Had a little pause. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. uh, Is it her camera, you think? Is it us? It won't be that much of a delay. So, yeah. I'm going to turn, turn off my camera, all of us as well, so we can save this uh, with, uh, bandwidth. But that is so exciting. Yes. Um, oh, my goodness. The uh, the spread uh, and, and particularly, Ashley, uh, you know, you started out in an urban area in Montgomery. And yes. now you are in uh, rural areas. Can you talk a little bit about how important it was to really get into some of those rural Area. So, yeah. so unlike your New York City or your New York and your California, you know, L.A., San Diego, the epidemic in the South is driven by the rural areas. Mm-hmm. Um, our rural areas are where a large portion of the our HIV epidemic is. Yes. And so we're able to kind of really realize that and think mm-hmm. about how can we provide services to those areas to really work to slow the spread of HIV and hopefully eventually get to zero. And how did, how um, did so you realize, how did you realize that, uh, Ashley, were people uh, transporting in into Montgomery to get care and you realize so a, a lot of people coming into Montgomery to mm-hmm. obtain care. Um, mm-hmm. We used to actually have um, a clinic in Auburn and they were able mm-hmm. to become self-sufficient to be their own organization, but we were going there once a week and they were still bringing patients to us twice a week so that was kind of the eastern area rural counties right Um, we were also able to um work in conjunction with selma air um out of selma alabama to provide medical care and they provide the social services um for our patients living in their service area counties so really just looking at the data you know data data driven um Data-driven decisions are the right. way to go. So we right. at the data. And we still even now track our zip code data. So we track zip codes for our patients. And our data specialist is amazing, um, Ifani. And he can actually um, do a data visualization map to kind of really mm-hmm. look at mm-hmm. the distribution of our zip codes and kind of mm-hmm. look at do we have services in those areas where patients are coming from? Is there something we may need to expand to? Or really just looking at, you know, where do our patients come from. Of course, you're always going to have those patients that may live in a smaller town that may say, I don't want to go, you know, Aunt Susie works at the health department, so I can't, I can't go there. And they mm-hmm. want to come to Montgomery, but mm-hmm. still look at the data from time to time, just to make sure that we are providing services um, in the area where a lot of our patients are coming from. Right. And before, right. And before um, Rashonda gets to the next question, I just wanted to kind of piggyback on two things you said. One, collaboration, you know, the, the you're working with other a service organization, Selma Air. Sometimes some of the areas overlap. Mm-hmm. There's ways for for uh, in order to get the best impact to work together. So I love that. And then secondly, you talked about data driven. I mean, I love evidence based. Of course, is another term we use a lot. But people for people to really understand that you uh, your policies are driven by what the data is telling you, and uh, that's so important. So thanks for that. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you, Ashley. And as you begin to talk about, you know, the counties and the organizations that you work with, like Selma Air, and I have to say that I did work with Ashley at MAO at a period of time. We were very good and actually effective in the work that we did in actually connecting with clinics and um, physicians' offices and um, federal qualified health centers across the Black Belt, and particularly their serving counties to inform the physicians there that MAO is here to serve right. individuals that are infected with HIV. And if physicians, you know, test someone or someone becoming come in presenting symptoms and they test them and they need to send them to care, they can connect them at MAO. And MAO was actually at that time creating the telemedicine services. Right. So working with those physicians and those offices and those um have medical facilities to put in those telemedicine um, so individuals that were in those counties that didn't couldn't come to Montgomery, they can go to a clinic in the serving area and access the service via telemedicine service. Right, right. Yes. yes. Right. Yeah, so that yeah. was some of the work that they've done as well in, the, in these 35 years. Yes. And um, Ashley, so as we talk about, at that time, you were my um, you were the person I reported to, and that particular you was in a different role. So yes. you want to talk to our listening audience about your climb as being the first African American interim chief executive officer in Women's History Month. Yes. So I started at MAO in October of 2010. Um, and my first position was the Ryan White program administrator. So it was a new position for MAO at that time. And so the purpose of that position was to work with our Ron White Part B grant that we received through the State Health Department and United Way of Central Alabama, and then also our direct Ron White funding um, from the federal government. So to kind of be the administrator for those grants, um, reporting requirements, um, making sure that, you know, we're providing the services um, and and those kind of things. Mm -hmm. And so... I would say within the first six months, um, at that point in time, there was a quality nurse um, and she actually retired, um, Miss Kathy. And so when she retired, she was like, I really think you'd be good to take on the role of quality management as well. So then that got added into my position. So I was also the um, continuous quality um, improvement, the CQI um, manager at that time, as well as still keeping the role of the Ryan White Program Administrator. Um, I'll definitely say the CQI role opened up um, some different opportunities. I was able to collaborate more and learn more about other organizations and work together with them, the other aid service organizations and clinics mm -hmm. in Alabama as a part mm -hmm. of the Alabama Quality Management Group. Mm -hmm. Um, and so then that led to kind of more statewide recognition as well, um, because I ended up becoming chair or one of the co-chairs of that group and kind of remain in that position today. Mm -hmm. And then as things progressed at MAO, I went from um, program administrator and quality manager to um, the chief program officer. So within that role, I was responsible for supervising um, social services. Um, at that time, we had social work and we're kind of beginning some discussions about transportation, but social work was the main um, social service provision mm -hmm. and then still managing the grants and then also um, CQI. And then in 2016, I became the first um, chief operating officer for the agency mm -hmm. as well. And so I moved into the operational um, role. And then at the beginning of this year, January 1st, I became the interim chief executive officer. Yes. Wow. wow. Amazing work. Yes. 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 But it, yes. it but it definitely shows a pattern of growth. Yes. Professional growth, which I really want to highlight. Um, yes. 
Because yes, what was your major? And, and I know you went to the University of Alabama, correct? Yes. Roll Tide. Roll I, did. Tide. So I was a <laughs> biology major and a member of the Blunt um, undergraduate. Oh, yes, yes. That was my minor at that point in time. Yes. So Blunt, um, yeah. Blunt is a great opportunity for leadership to develop your leadership skills at the University of Alabama. So absolutely. that's so great. And of course, we uplift our HBCUs, uh, HBCUs as well. Because they also give Black students a, a great opportunity for leadership. Sometimes yeah. you get lost in these big um, organizations. But there are intentional um, professional development and leadership development type programs at UA. And I always encourage the Black students to get in them. Sometimes, mm-hmm. Ashley, they don't want to get in them because it's more work. But that's the point. It is. <laughs> that's the whole point if you're going to get into a career have right, the skills right. to, to get there. So we, we just uh, celebrate that. That's wonderful. And then I was also at the university, one of the Avanti orientation leaders. So that was an right. interesting experience My some after my freshman year, actually. So mm-hmm. that was eye-opening to even learn more about the university and the programs that it offers to. That right. also, of course, helped me. Right. Because those, those up, those also open up not only, well, this, this leadership development, but it's networking opportunities. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. how I got my first job at the university. That's, I worked okay. in arts and sciences and the registrar at that time, associate registrar at that time, worked in arts and sciences as well in orientation. And he offered me a position at the end of the summer. See there? And so I ended up working there through the yeah. end of my until I graduated. So Wow. And how did you find out about MAO? How did you find out about that job? Before um, we go back to her education, we yes, can't leave sure. out UAB. Okay. <laughs> yes, so I'm a Go Blaze that's, alumni. That's her. That's okay. her. Yeah, she's UAB. Okay. <laughs> I did receive my master's of public health. Uh, yeah. Okay, we're not going to leave that one out. <laughs> yeah. Child health and international and global studies. Yeah. And that's really kind of where my focus on HIV became from okay. got you and see i didn't know that so i'm glad you yeah. added that in rashonda yeah, yeah. Uh, you know how can i leave uab out i uh, i work for ua and uab right yeah i work yeah. for the uab school of medicine at at the ua campus so yes we we and that sort of shows your flow into health and right. healthcare. So, so our listeners know how what she came biology then well, training training yes yes, yes. exactly I didn't yes. know you were biology either. I don't know why I thought you maybe yes. were maybe business. Oh no, I was we'd biology. Love that. We'd love to hear that. That we'd love to hear that. Oh, the science girl. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Okay, so go ahead on that cam. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> got that out. <laughs> I got we got that one out the way. I mean, it just really shows and highlights the uh the uh the professional development and how you really help the organization. The organization is a healthcare um organization, you know, centers around HIV care. But it also has to have organization that the nonprofit and the aid service organizations have to be organized in order to do it. And so the organization and the management pieces are so important. So we're just really happy to know that you're there to help in that regard, Ashley, because uh, uh, it it is maybe the difference between other ASOs that have gone out of business. We know it's, it's such a struggle to find funding mm-hmm. and keep these aid service organizations going. And so, um, you know, uh, really just expanding the portfolio, a lot of uh, like like uh, Montgomery uh, Advocacy and Outreach has added other things, not just HIV to their portfolio uh, to really talk about health and wellness, not only for the individual patient, because I heard on Friday, Ashley, that you're talking about clinic services for their family members as yes. well. Yes, so we are definitely looking into that for this spring, starting yes. later in the spring is providing primary care services um, for our um 
family members of our patients and also right. for the LGBTQIA population right. as well to right. provide those culturally competent right. um, healthcare services so they can feel comfortable um, coming in to see us. That, that is fantastic um, so that you can really capture uh, even the support systems for the persons who are mm-hmm. living uh, with HIV. So that's, and I also heard about the behavioral, new behavioral health yes. component that you're really building up. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, I would say, I believe it was 2018 um, with Atlanta Park and Mayweather, our director of behavioral health came on um, with us and kind of really started to work on developing out a full program. Mm-hmm. Um, we've always provided mental health services, at least almost as long as I've been at MAO, actually providing mental health counseling. Um, usually it was through contracts or contracted counselors. But um, Elena really worked on building in our internal capacity. Mm-hmm. And so now not only do we offer um, mental health services, we also offer substance um, use services as well. Um, and are really looking into hopefully providing additional screening opportunities for individuals that are not living with HIV. So for the general population um, to provide those screening services and the different assessments that are needed before an individual can access inpatient care. Um, there's a lack of providers able to provide those mm-hmm. things. So we're really working on being able to fill in that gap. Fantastic. Oh, wow. And Ashley, thanks, Dr. Foster. So as Ashley talked about that, you look at the growth over 35 years. Mm -hmm. And when you started all these different programs, like Dr. Foster said, the things you had to add that were kind of different Mm -hmm. um, to to move, continue to move forward in these 35 years, look at the growth of MAO. And so this is this is really amazing in the work that you've Mm -hmm. done and with the organization has done and is doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as far as the expanding the services, not more for just people that's HIV positive going beyond that um, for individuals, their families as well. So that just speaks to the work that you all are doing um, in these 35 years. Yes. So um, so talk about with the some of the, the 35, the 31st year anniversary activities, events that you all are doing um, yes. in, in Montgomery. We're look, still looking at kind of planning some events. Mm-hmm. Um, because we have so many stakeholders from a variety of different areas, um, we thought it would be best to kind of host small events along the way. We will have a larger event in the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, we're working on planning as like a big 35th celebration, similar to our 30th celebration we had about five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but just really kind of going along the way and having different events to really be able to engage everyone. Um, MAO has a large number of supporters that have supported us, whether it's our pharmacy partners, whether it's our um, community volunteers, community donors, and our patients as well. I mean, mm-hmm. they we are here because of them. Um, mm-hmm. So we are, we're looking at different ways to have um, small events throughout the year that we're able to provide um, for our different stakeholder groups um, so that everyone can feel a part of our 30, of celebrating 35 years of MAO. So you're looking at doing maybe something in Dothan? Yeah, so we're going to look at having something in our in our um, in our areas as well. So kind of we have our main site. So we're looking at what opportunities are going to be there to have um, those type of events in different places. Sounds good. Sounds good. So you're in the planning stages. Yes, we're in the planning. Yes, yes, yes. That sounds exciting. And the event you just hosted on Friday, that was also like your stakeholders, your staff. Yeah, so that was like a kickoff event to kind of, um, it was originally planned to be held around um, Black HIV AIDS Awareness Day, but because of 
COVID at the time in January when we would need to kind of finalize those plans, we ended up needing to move it. So we a little bit later, and I'm glad we did. I think yeah. you know, COVID is, is better now. Of course, it has not gone away, but it's better now. Yes. So we can safely um, gather together to celebrate. So this is kind of more like our kickoff event, if I look at it, of kind of getting us started um, to really um, get into celebrating 35 years. Fantastic. And it was a great event. Very celebratory. Uh, Doug uh, in, the, in the education department did a fabulous job. So I love the whole spirit of it. It was fantastic. Yes, it was a great event to not only, you know, our medical director, Dr. Stearns, did a great history of she kind did. of HIV and did. how we have evolved from the first um, report um, for the the CD, from the CDC to where we are now. And she's got a right. great review of how things have changed, you know, so much over time. Yeah. And even as a physician of, you know, how she enjoys providing, you know, the care for our HIV positive um and for HIV positive patients, but also, you know, the joy that comes with that, but then also at the same time, the sadness that can come with that when patients aren't able to access um, right, needed right. things. So it was, it was, a, it was a great time. It was yeah. A great time. Yeah. And, and actually your medical director did a great job with history and I, uh, yours truly did the future. Yes. So that was kind of yes, interesting. We, we kind of pulled everything together. So that was uh, wonderful. What do you think the future is going to hold for MAO? Future for MAO, I really look to us be able to able to provide more services to more patients. So really looking at what other ways we can help to um, serve the community. Like mm-hmm. what, what are our community needs and how can MAO grow or how can we bolster what we already have to help mm-hmm. meet them? Yeah, yeah. I know you talked about, we talked a little bit about telemedicine. Mm-hmm. Of course, COVID changed the uh, and and added that as more of a yes. And even and I was even talking with somebody about how we do meetings, mm-hmm. and I was able to go to a meeting up in New York uh, at our church uh, conference through uh, through Zoom. Right, so that platform has made it much more accessible. So telemedicine is one, and then I heard also that you are doing the uh, the mail in uh, prep. And follow yes. up tel- telemedicine and mail mailing uh, 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 mailing in lab results. Yes, correct, correct. People For can mail it back. To, that's mm-hmm. right. That's right. So the so the increased access and uh, uh, accessibility convenience for patients is really great. Um, so uh, good to see all of that. Uh, are there any other ways that COVID has sort of changed the landscape as well? I would say for us, we were early adopters of telemedicine. You know, Rashanda mentioned how she worked with us um, in in the earlier days of our telemedicine project mm-hmm. of kind of helping to get the word out. Mm-hmm. So for us, COVID was not a huge effect as far as providing services to our patients because we already had the telemedicine on the platform. Mm-hmm. It did allow us to expand a little bit to mm-hmm. actually provide where patients could access telemedicine from home. Right. Um, previous to that, they had to go into one of our partner facilities, so the health department right. and FUAC. But right. COVID did allow us to kind of provide that in-home um, right. those services. Right. So um, that was definitely an additional kind of growth point for us. And then it also allowed us through our bridge to help other organizations to provide telemedicine to their patients. So we were able to, you know, leverage our IT infrastructure to assist other organizations really around the country. That's um, great. With their That's great. That's great. I love that early adopter. So yeah. MAO mm-hmm. is always a little ahead of the curve. And I also love the uh, continued collaboration, not only with, uh, you know, a service organizations here in Alabama, but all throughout the country. 
Yes. Fantastic. Say, like you said, the collaboration and the work with the different organizations across the Black Belt and their serving some of the serving counties, and particularly in their serving counties, I was able to see more clearly how the services were needed really in the communities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Being able to, you know, work with the people in, in those areas and really see the services that, wow, this is really a great need, the services mm-hmm. that they are providing, even down to the food pantry, food pantry that they have mm-hmm. and giving people the food and providing, the, you know, the outreach to the communities and, and providing um, access to the food box. So mm-hmm. it's able to see that and see how the needs in those areas were greater than what I thought and imagined. And mm-hmm. so as Ashley said, that's the future. She sees providing more services. They're continuing right. to look at the community, see the needs of the community and continue to meet those, those needs and see those gaps and meet those, meet those, um, feel those gaps. Yes. Yeah, we were actually able to, um, in the last couple of weeks, um, found out that we received a grant from Broadway Cares to actually help us to provide food pantry services for people that are not living with HIV. So now we'll be able to open the child prep patients, and then especially as we're looking at opening up care, there'll be other opportunities. That's great. Too. So yes. we're kind of still fleshing out what that's going to look like, but that is something um, that we're excited about. And I can say from my experiences uh, in doing outreach, uh, both of you, that uh uh, the food pantry uh, during COVID was major. Mm-hmm. There was such a need for because, yeah. of course, people lost jobs. Right. Um, so um, and then, of course, uh, you know, getting to the to the uh, grocery store if you're in rural areas. So uh, don't underestimate those needs, those other social needs. Um, and those are great ways to uh, really connect with the community to know that they that you care uh, not only about their medical care, but also their social um, issues as well. So we applaud you. Yes, yes, and your growth. Yay, another clap. Yes. Yay. And Pam, before we end the show for today, uh-huh. I just want to say this because you you alluded to it, you went into it about the growth, yes. Ashley's growth over that period. Yes. Um, how she continued to grow and move in, and as women in in yes. in organizations, that yes. to see her make that you know grow and climb in that in that positive way. Yes. It's just I just want to applaud that. And um, that's great. Yeah, role models. We need role models out there. Right. So fantastic. I mean, the other thing for me, why it's so exciting is this is now a black disease, right? Yeah. HIV is now a black and brown, uh, mm-hmm. black and Latina, but we're we're number one. And right. so we need we need us at the leadership roles. Yes. Honestly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, and, you know, and that was what, you know, days of being in and being in years of being in HIV for over 15 years and seeing how there was a lot of talk and fight for women, particularly mm-hmm. African-American and not just women, but African-Americans mm-hmm. in, the, in the in leadership roles, making mm-hmm. decisions. Because like yes. the, Dr. Foster said that, you know, a lot of people are being affected are African-Americans. Right. Right. And so, you know, culturally, um, and it's good to see African Americans in these leadership roles. Yes, yes. And see you able to see the needs and be able to fulfill those needs. So that's great. Yes. Fantastic. In that area. So yes. 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 So thank you, Ashley. So, so I, I'm close. She's looking at me, so because I'm supposed to be closing out, right? <laughs> no. I'm just I'm just continuing talking. Just uh huh. Yeah. We thank you. Thank we you, thank you. Ashley, and uh, anything uh, else you want to share with the community? Yes, one last word. Any last words? Um, I'm just thankful. Thankful for you all and for this platform as you're bringing information um, and knowledge to the community. I'm thankful for everyone's support and encouragement and just really looking forward to what the future holds. 
Thank you so much on that wonderful note. We do remember that this show is supported uh, by a grant ending the HIV epidemic uh, funded by the Alabama Department of Public Health and CDC. And just thank you so much, Ashley, for being our special guest, Ashley Tarrant, the executive, uh, 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 the uh, interim uh, CEO of uh, Montgomery Advocacy and Outreach. And so we just end this episode today. Thank you, uh, viewers, for coming into another episode of A Woman's Worth with Dr. Pam Foster and Mrs. Rashonda White. A Woman's Worth is being informed. A Woman's Worth is being educated. A Woman's Worth is being aware. A woman's, a woman's Worth is knowing how to prevent disease and have optimal health. And we thank you so much for joining us today. 